0: He's Hacker. I like a good serial killer documentary. He hasn't taken the pounding that
1: wide receivers take. Uh, it's just a pound job, and, and guys are tired towards that, that four minutes. minute. And he doesn't shy away from opinion. I
0: would be lying to you if I said I had not heard things. They're like a bad rash. You hear a lot of things. Some are true, some aren't.
1: It's Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
0: And a very good Monday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Casey Dobson. And for Dylan Denmark tonight, I'm the Hacker Ryan Green. Glad you are with us as we embark on another week. It is Scouting Combine Week in Indianapolis as the Combine officially kicks off tomorrow. On the field work will begin on Thursday of course, tomorrow you will hear press conferences with both Jaguar head coach Doug Peterson, Jaguar general manager Trent Baalke. Also, we will have interviews. Frank Frangie scheduled to be joined by both Trent Balky and Doug Peterson tomorrow up in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. So the Combine this week, and we are now 14 days, two weeks away from NFL free agency which will get underway Monday, March the 11th. So the offseason is going right on by. We are absolutely jam-packed tonight. Coming up in about less than 20 minutes or so, Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, one of their main NFL writers. Jeff will join us not only to look at the Jaguars. We will certainly spend some time there. But I want to talk Caleb Williams or Justin Fields in Chicago. What's going to happen with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota? For that matter, what's rumors over the weekend? Are they rumors or is there something to them? We'll also talk Russell Wilson, kind of the big storylines heading into free agency and the league calendar, which does, again, kick off in about two weeks. So Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com in less than 20 minutes, coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Ryan Fowler of Bleacher Report and the Draft Network. We will do some combine prep, some draft talk with Ryan Fowler, but he also covers the NFL as a whole for Bleacher Report. So we'll certainly spend some time on the Jacksonville Jaguars with Ryan as well. So absolutely jam-packed. Glad you are with us. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we do kick it off with a big deal of the night. And Casey Dobson. Let's do that right Time now. now
1: for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal on Hacker After Dark.
0: All right, so we are officially now 50 days into the Jaguar offseason. 50 days. The Jaguars went to Nashville, Tennessee and got absolutely clobbered 50 days ago. So do you feel better as a Jaguar fan than you did 50 days ago. Well, I put that on social media earlier today. You had 50 days to decompress, 50 days to let it all out. Now you can get focused again on the combine and free agency. And some of the responses were, yeah, we'll see what happens in free agency. We'll see what happens in the draft. But, yeah, I'm starting to feel a little better. But overwhelmingly, and I do mean overwhelmingly, the feedback I got, and this was about 60 or 70 some odd responses, was no, I don't feel better. And some even felt worse than they did 50 days ago. You guys are simply, at least the ones of you that responded, and I'm assuming some of you listening tonight, you're just simply not going to let go of the fact that Trent Balky is the general manager of this football team. Well, you need to. That's reality. That's not going to change. Trent Baalke is your general manager in 2024. Press Taylor is your offensive coordinator in 2024. Again, you may not like it. You may not love it. But you got to learn to live with it because it is the reality of the situation for you as a Jaguar fan. You've had 50 days to get over it, and based on what you told me today, a lot of you have not gotten over it, and that's due in large part to the things the Jaguars did not do, which was get rid of Trent Baalke and or press Taylor. Obviously, we have not seen any player movement, but 50 days, and we're still as questionable about the futures of Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley here in Jacksonville, as we were when they left the field in Nashville. Particularly when it comes to Josh Allen, that's a problem. You would have thought 50 days in, which, by the way, we're one week away from the franchise tag deadline, which is March the 5th, we would have had some clarity. Now, by March the 5th, Josh Allen will either have a long-term contract or he will have the franchise tag. I'll go Joe Namath on here and guarantee one of those two. I will guarantee it. Either a long-term deal or a franchise tag on Josh Allen by next week, March the 5th. So we're about to have some answers when it comes to him. Calvin Ridley, who knows? Who knows? It looks like he's going to hit the market two weeks from today. And with T. Higgins getting the franchise tag in Cincinnati, Rumor has it Michael Pittman Jr. will get the franchise tag in Indianapolis. And it appears, at least what he's saying publicly, that Mike Evans wants to remain in Tampa. Calvin Ridley will be the most valuable wide receiver in free agency. He will be the guy in free agency, which means somebody may come in and overpay him. The odds of you keeping Ridley if he hits the market are much different than maybe they would have been had Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, or Mike Evans hit the market alongside him. The Calvin Ridley thing almost, almost, is starting to feel a little bit like the Jawan Taylor thing to me last year. Remember two weeks out from free agency last year, the thought was Jawan Taylor was still in the plans. The thought was, yeah, they were going to franchise Evan Ingram, They had to let one of them hit the market, right? It was either going to be Ingram or Taylor. They chose to franchise Ingram. They let Taylor hit the market, and it was five hours later, four hours later, that Jawan Taylor had agreed to terms with the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you starting to get that vibe this year a little bit? They had to choose one to franchise, right? Josh Allen or Calvin Ridley. They're obviously going to franchise Allen, If they can't get a long-term deal done, that means Ridley's going to hit the market. And if they don't act quick with Ridley, he's going to be gone four hours into free agency, much like Jawan Taylor was last year. And if you lose Calvin Ridley, I think the question at that point is, was the trade worth it? Probably not. You're going to lose a third-round pick for a one-year rental of Calvin Ridley. That's reality. That's what's going to happen if he leaves in free agency. So 50 days after the season came to an end, you're still angry. The ones of you that responded to my post on social media are still very bitter about the way the season ended. But the vibe I got from a majority of you that responded was you're even more bitter now than you were seven weeks ago. Maybe because Trent Balky is still here. Maybe because Press Taylor is still here. Maybe it's because you believe they have fumbled both the Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley situations. I just thought it was fascinating that, it, to me, 50 days is enough time to get it out of your system and to say, all right, they were 8-3, things ended badly, but we were in most of those games, Let's move on to 2024. That is not the reaction that I got. The reaction that I got was you're even madder now. You're even more fired up now than you were when they lost to the Titans 50 days ago. And what's going to be very interesting to see, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, but as we talked about, Ezra Cleveland, Trey Herndon, Dewan Smoot, Jamal Agnew, there's a lot of guys that are set to hit the market two weeks from today, Monday, March the 11th. I've told you guys this for the last week and a half. It is my belief that there will not be a drop of Jaguar news until after Doug Peterson and Trent Balky meet the media in Indianapolis. Well, they just so happen to meet the media in Indianapolis tomorrow. So starting Wednesday, but more likely when they get back from the Combine, This weekend or certainly next Monday, that's when you'll see franchise tag. That's when you'll see re-signings. That's when you'll see potential cap casualties because I just don't think Balky and Peterson want to answer questions about it. You saw that seven weeks ago. Doug Peterson holds his season-ending press conference. He was asked if there's going to be changes to the staff. He said it's going to take time to think. And three hours later, he fires Mike Caldwell, knowing, of course, he wasn't going to talk to the media again until the combine. So they're not going to talk to the media again until at least three, four weeks down the road. So that's why I think news with the Jaguars and their off-season plan will begin taking shape, at least publicly, after they meet the media tomorrow in Indianapolis. Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson both will speak tomorrow. They both will be on 1010XL Tomorrow, as well as Frank Frangi, we'll have interviews with both the Jaguar head coach and the Jacksonville Jaguar general manager. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports.com. He's coming up next. He's covered the league for years. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk big offseason storylines from Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, that whole dynamic in Chicago. What about Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson? big-time guys that may be on the move in two weeks, and we will obviously spend some time on Calvin Ridley and the rest of the Jaguar free agent class. Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports. He's next on a Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark. We're glad you're with us here in Jacksonville. It's 1010XL,
1: and it's 92.5 FM. 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville, it's hacker after dark on 1010XL. Let's ring up another guest on the all-pro roofing phone line.
0: 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Boy, the NFL offseason is plugging right along. We are now over 50 days removed since the Jaguar season unfortunately came to an end with the biggest collapse in franchise history. Although now you start turning your attention to 2024. The scouting combine this week. We are inside of two weeks until NFL free agency. There is a lot going on. And with that, my buddy Jeff Kerr, cbssports.com. Always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Jeff, how you doing?
2: I'm pretty good, Ryan. Just uh, enjoying uh, the last little bit of time I have before I take a couple days off here and then go right into my favorite time of the year, free agency.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And speaking of free agency, man, let's begin there. So last week, all the projections, all the websites, Jeff, were going off of a $242 $242 million salary cap and then the NFL comes out I think it was last Thursday or Friday it says no the cap is actually going to be $255 million. so miraculously all 32 teams now have an extra $13 million to play with how big a deal is that as we enter free agency
2: oh it's huge I mean it, considering what the salary cap was in say 2010, 2011, this league is booming. I mean, it, the salary cap is pretty much doubled since, you know, 2010, 2011. And again, it's, it's one of those things where teams I think are careless with their money because they can be careless with their money because they seem to know that they're going to be getting $10 million raising the salary cap every year. And it really helps the fringe teams. Like, The teams that were maybe five or 10 million under the cap, they couldn't do much of free agency, but all of a sudden now they could be active and they could use the franchise tag. And look, there's a reason why player salaries are going up. And when you have a salary cap of $255 million, it just makes plenty of sense.
0: Yeah, the Jaguars here locally were a projected 11 million under. Now they're going to be roughly projected 24 to 25 million under, depending on what websites you look at. So certainly it helps the Jaguars, it helps every. NFL team what else helps the NFL teams is the scouting combine this week up in Indianapolis Jeff you've covered the league for a while boy from a media event right and I don't know how much you actually gain as far as knowledge with this thing but there is no doubt the media aspect of this boy. the combine has turned into something pretty big
2: oh it has so and again I've never been to the combine but I've covered it from from home plenty of times and it's really your only opportunity to talk to GMs and coaches pretty much till May, maybe June. It's, I mean, just covering mini camps and stuff, you don't really get to talk to the coach. So this is it. And you kind of get their feeling on what their all season is going to be and get to ask them questions that you won't normally get to ask them. And that's why a lot of Players go down. I I mean, not player. uh, Media members go down. and They're not going down to see Caleb Williams throw a football. Some are, but uh, others are here to, you know, talk to Doug Peterson, talk to Trent Balky and find out what's going on with their football team and what their plans are for their football team. I guarantee you, someone in in Jacksonville media asked this week: "You guys gonna franchise tag Josh Allen? You gonna work out an extension with him?" You don't get to ask a question like that in. In, Mar- in March, in March, you don't. I, I mean, you're kind of in the dark, and you know, everybody gets goes, oh, you know, the basic questions, basic answers. I'm like, well, no, these are the questions that need to be asked. These guys, and even if it's for only 15 minutes, it's it's a worthy event, and it's a good networking event for media. Now, from the player side of it, I think it's stupid. I, I think the whole NFL Combine, it's a made-for-TV event essentially now. Yeah, and you know,
0: along those lines, again, Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, I don't want to throw stones in a glass house. They're going to have me hook, line, and sinker because I'm going to watch it beginning on Thursday. But it is amazing that I am literally going to take four days out of my life to watch guys in shorts run around cones and run 40-yard dashes. Uh, and, And I do it every year. And I always think to myself as I'm watching this thing, why am I watching this? but yet every year I end up watching it.
2: I think it's one of those, you kind of, and I think this is a big problem with college sports right now. There's, there's too much on television. So you're not really watching all these teams all the time. Like people just don't watch bowl games anymore because no one plays in them or, you know, on the ACC network's got games, the SEC network has games, big 10 network has games. Like for me, I only follow the big 10 now. Um, you know, uh, the school I went to was in the Big Ten. I, I watched Big Ten football. I didn't watch Jalen Daniels play a football game until, I want to say, November, which is kind of crazy, like it's 20 years ago. I probably will watch a game he, he played in September and was able to evaluate. It's just too much on. There's too much going on now. So I I feel like the combine is a way for a lot of people now to – Oh, this guy went to this school. This guy went to that school. Oh, I remember that guy. I remember that guy. You know, I'll just throw a guy like Elijah Matthews, for example. You know, what? You know, just someone of that regard. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this guy can play. Maybe he can't, even though you can't really determine anything running, run, you know, run, as you said, Ryan, running through cones. But it, it's something people want to watch, and it, it, it's just football. Football fans are crazy, and any content they can get for it, they're gonna eat it up. Well, in
0: the NFL spaces out their offseason so brilliantly. 2 weeks since the Super Bowl, now it's the combine. 2 weeks after the combine, it's free agency. Then after free agency, you have your pro day. Then after pro day, it's the draft. And then a month after the draft, we're back at it with o- with OTAs. So it's an amazing setup that the NFL has created for themselves. You mentioned Caleb Williams, Jeff Uh, In league circles right now, is he overwhelmingly the choice at number one entering the combine?
2: I I think so. I I think he's going to be number one pick in the draft. And again, he doesn't gain anything by throwing. He just doesn't. Like, if you want to throw your product, go at it. And I'm so glad we're over this era now where these guys don't want to compete. Well, who are they competing for? You know, are, are you competing to, so a fan can watch them on TV? Like, they're not competing against each other at these things. You know, it's, 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 you're losing more than you gain unless you're, you know, one of those guys trying to get drafted. It, it, those are, that's what the combine's for. The day three picks that they're on the fence and you're not sure if they're going to get drafted or not. Like, I, I talked to Sean Clifford last week, back on the backup quarterback on the pack. He wasn't even invited to the combine, which is crazy. He was a fifth round pick. So, Someone saw something in him from Penn State's pro day, or you know, in, in the weeks leading up to the draft, that okay, this guy's worth getting, but the NFL did not invite him to the combine last year, which I thought was crazy based on what he did at Penn State. But you know, but that's who it's for, it's for the day three guys, like guys like Colonel Williams. It's he's gonna be a number one pick, and at the very worst he's going to be the two or the three pick. Like, there's no reason why this guy needs to throw or do any on-field workouts at this thing. A
0: couple of more for Jeff Kerr of CBSSports.com. All right, Jeff, let's dive into some big storylines heading in to the offseason. Let's begin in Chicago. They have that number one pick. A lot of rumors are they are going to draft Caleb Williams, which means they are likely to trade Justin Fields. At what point do you think we will have some clarity on Justin Fields' future in the NFL? Hey,
2: it could be this week. Um, yeah, you know, One of my jokes about the combine is it's probably the start of the actual legal tampering period. You know, we always say March 11th is the legal. Well, no, it, it kind of starts this week. I'm sure DMs will be talking, other DMs, uh, uh, you know, to Ryan polls. Okay, what do you guys want for Justin Fields? What, what's going to happen for us to get Justin Fields? I wouldn't be shocked if the trade was announced this week with Justin Fields just because of how... GMs get that face-to-face interview, and you know we know Justin Fields' future in Chicago is at best murky. You know I don't think there's any way he's the Bears' quarterback next year. So, and you got a lot of quarterback needy teams like the Falcons, like the Steelers. I think they're going to to be active in trying to get this guy. So I would expect the deal done this week. Will it be announced this week. Will it be reported this week. I don't know, but I I would expect something to get done. Do you think that's a good move by Chicago being done
0: with Justin Fields and saying Caleb Williams, you're now the king of the Windy City?
2: You know what? That is a good question because I like Fields, but what does the new offense coordinator think of him? What does Shane Waldron think? And do I think there? it's premature to give up on Fields? Uh, yes and no, uh, because if Williams is his generational prospect like you say he is, I think you got to do it. And I think you earned the right to because you befell Carolina and you got that pick again. I just don't think you trade that pick two years in a row. Now, if they wanted to move down and get a guy like Marvin Harrison, just load up their roster again, so be it. But eventually you're going to need a quarterback. And if Caleb Williams is a franchise guy, I think you got to take it.
0: What makes the most sense? We've heard Atlanta. We've heard Pittsburgh. Where do you think the best landing spot for Fields would be?
2: I would like to see him in at Atlanta. Um, I, I, I honestly would like to see what he can do with a B. John Robinson, with a Kyle Pitts, with a Drake London, And again, Falcons got to use Kyle Pitts right too. They haven't done that in years. Uh, but I think Justin Fields just opens up so much in that offense. And look, this is a seven and 10 team without Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields could get them to the nine or 10 wins and potentially win that division.
0: Jeff Kerr, CBS Jeff, I want to end with the Jaguars, but free agent questions. Kirk Cousins, that's another one that's a big question out there. Uh, Russell Wilson and his future in Denver. Those two veteran quarterbacks, Cousins and Wilson, what do you expect the future to hold for them?
2: You know, Russell Wilson's going to be the most interesting one because is Denver really willing to give up on it? If I was Russell Wilson, I would give up on Denver just because they kind of moved on from him in December. So I'm curious where – That whole thing, if anybody feels like Russell Wilson is still worth anything anymore, how the, how the Broncos are going to get out of that contract. Uh, what, What was the other one you asked me? Was it Kirk Cousins? Yeah.
0: Kirk Cousins.
2: Yeah. Kirk Cousins is again, this is tricky too. Now think about this for a second. Do you just move on from Kirk Cousins? Because again, Justin Jefferson said he won't sign an extension with them. Unless he knows who the quarterback is, and the quarterback he likes is Kirk Cousins. Do you keep Kirk Cousins around to keep him happy? Or do you potentially thread the needle and say, hey, you know what? Now we're going to rebuild, and Justin Jefferson, you're not part of it. And you can probably get multiple first-round picks for Justin Jefferson at this stage. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but they they don't have a guy in place right now. I mean – but you got to look at the NC South, too. Chicago's getting better. Green Bay's good already. And Detroit was just in the NC Championship game last year. Maybe it is best just to hit the reset button there.
0: Well, the interesting thing, and you bring up Justin Jefferson, there was that wild rumor that started on social media that Justin Jefferson, the Vikings, would legitimately listen to trade offers. Now, Jeff, as you know, you've done it for years, man. We're in rumor season, late February, early March, heading into the Combine. Do you think that was just somebody throwing something against the wall? Or do you think Minnesota would actually entertain the idea of trading probably the best wide receiver in football?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people like to throw stuff against the wall this year. And, you know, it, it's a shame because the players don't really have anything to say about it. it, it you know, Ryan, it, with social media, social media could be crazy, right? Someone could put out there the Jaguars could trade Trevor Lawrence today and people would eat it up. Yeah, yeah, and, You know, until they make a decision on Kirk Cousins, I, I don't expect anything to happen with Justin Jefferson. The guy's a generational talent. Why would you want to get rid of it?
0: No, I agree. And, and it doesn't make much sense to me. And he's still a pretty young guy to boot, no question. All right, franchise tags are being handed out. T. Higgins in Cincinnati, that probably wasn't much of a surprise, correct?
2: No, no, um, that was one of the ones – I was actually on the Bengals radio station last week, and we were playing, like, tag or no tag with a lot of players, and I said the Bengals should tag T. Higgins. And, you know, they, they were, like, 50-50. I, I, I think over there it was, like, okay, we get it, but, you know – we they thought he was going to be part of the group you can't keep everybody like how jesse bates was because they didn't put the tag on him a second time i i i think it's they're going to try to work out a long-term deal The t higgins is too important to what they do as a franchise and with the sour cap going up it may tag at him a lot easier
0: the uh jaguars meet the media tomorrow Trent balky and doug peterson in indianapolis on tuesday Uh, I think a lot of things will happen after that press conference because, like you said, that's the last time they'll meet with the media prior to uh, free agent signings or the draft. So they probably don't want to answer a bunch of questions and they'll probably do their actions after those conferences. So I would fully expect Josh Allen to be franchised maybe as early as Wednesday. But if they get past March 5th without re-signing Josh Allen or franchising Josh Allen – there are going to be problems, Jeff, here in Duval County.
2: Yeah, that's the guy you have to keep. In fact, that's the guy when I listed potential franchise tag candidates for every team, Josh Allen was number one on the list. No, you cannot let that guy hit the open market. Not after the year he had uh, Ryan Nielsen coming in there as a the defense coordinator, I, I think he's going to have another big year. It's That's your homegrown guy. That is your guy, the guy you were patient with for five years. You have to make sure he stays in-house. So, Yeah, I I agree with you. There's going to be significant problems that they don't re-sign Josh Allen.
0: And, again, I don't expect that at all. I I would basically guarantee at this point Josh Allen is going to get the franchise tag or be re-signed in the next seven days. And that brings us to Calvin Ridley, Jeff, as we wrap up. I guess Ezra Cleveland's another interesting one, but he doesn't play a glamorous position, so we'll focus on Ridley. Uh, What do you do with Calvin Ridley? With T. Higgins being franchised, potentially Michael Pittman in Indianapolis – being franchised there's talk that Mike Evans really doesn't want to leave Tampa Bay all of a sudden Ridley might become the most attractive wide receiver on the market and somebody may come in with a gigantic
2: offer for him yeah especially uh you remember Jacksonville kind of broke the system a couple years ago when they signed Christian Kirk to all that money you know did they do that with Calvin Ridley or do they let Calvin Ridley walk and try to replace him in the draft and like I think Calvin Ridley's a good player but he definitely wasn't the player he was with the Falcons uh in his first year in Jacksonville but who knows I, you know this is a tough decision. I don't think I would pay Calvin Ridley 20 million dollars a year. Maybe that's just me. But I, I I think Jacksonville was better with Calvin Ridley than they are without Calvin Ridley but I don't know Right, it still kind of bugs me they didn't really do that many changes on the offensive side of the ball in terms of personnel and coaching. It's Doug Pearson's affiliation with Press Taylor is something to behold. Yeah, and you and I talked about
0: that a little over a month ago, and trust me, the venom towards that from the Jaguar fan base hasn't really changed among that uh, Trent Baalke and Press Taylor. Jeff, leave us with this. Free agency, man. You said it. It's one of the best times of year in the NFL Um, how active do you expect it to be on the 11th and the 12th again the NFL does this thing now legal tampering which will happen on Monday March 11th and Tuesday March 12th you can officially sign Wednesday March 13th I would expect all the big guys to probably be off the board right when Wednesday happens because those deals will be hammered out on Monday and Tuesday
2: yeah, right. Uh, you know, right within the first couple hours, right? I mean, you'll get that first wave of guys that sign right away, and then you'll get a couple guys Monday night, and then it'll calm down a little bit, and then it'll pick up again. It's but you always have that first wave of free, and it goes by so quick, Ryan. Like you get so anticipated for something, it's like Christmas, right? You have all this build up, and then it actually happens, and then it's gone. And then you're like, okay, well, now what do we do for six weeks? Oh, let's over-evaluate Caleb Williams and Jalen Daniels and Drake May. And, you know, that's why I kind of like free agency because it's the established players. It's the potential of them changing teams. There's a lot of trades. going. I actually think we're going to see a lot of trades uh, coming up in the, over the next couple of weeks. Trades for veteran guys, draft
0: picks, or a little bit of yeah, both?
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of a little bit of both. I, I think because of the class this year, I don't think the free agency class is underwhelming by any means. I don't think it's as strong as it's been in previous years, and maybe that's because of the quarterback stuff, but I, I do think teams are going to be active, and I, I think they're going to try to go, okay, well, we can't get this guy, but maybe we can trade for this guy, or may, maybe we could trade some of our draft capital for this guy. I, I, I think that's what you're going to see.
0: Interesting. Jeff Kerr of CBSSports.com. Jeff, appreciate it, man. Go enjoy a little downtime. We'll probably dial your phone a week or two after free agency, and we'll see where the dust settles when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Always appreciate you, my friend. Yep. Uh, Ryan, it's always a pleasure. Uh, it's going to be weird uh, not really doing much with the Combine this year and just kind of going right back into him free agency, but I-, I think I'd have it any other way.
0: There you go, Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, here with us on Hacker After Dark. And it's interesting, some of the things he said. The feeling is that Justin Fields is on his way out of Chicago, yet there are some people that believe that may not necessarily be the case. We'll have some clarity on that, certainly in the next couple of weeks, uh, leading up to the draft. Again, Caleb Williams, the projected number one pick. If Chicago were to trade Justin Fields to, say, in Atlanta, or a Pittsburgh that all would cement, all but cement, Caleb Williams heading to the Windy City. Uh, Are you ready to pull the plug, basically, on the career of Justin Fields in Chicago after three years? I don't know. Some people are. Some people are pumping the brakes on that a little bit. We'll see what the Bears ultimately decide to do. And we're seeing a lot of rumors come out right now. Adam Schefter, this evening, has sent out numerous things on social media saying In regards to free agency, the Titans will not franchise Derrick Henry. The Raiders will not franchise Josh Jacobs. The Giants will not franchise Saquon Barkley. And it is expected the Chargers are going to let Austin Eckler hit free agency. You want to talk about a crazy, crazy group of running backs that are going to hit the market in two weeks? Listen to those names again Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, I think Tony Pollard was in that list as well. Absolutely insane the caliber of running backs that are going to be available. We'll see how many get re-signed, but rumors are none of those guys are going to get franchised by their current teams. More on the NFL coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Ryan Fowler of Bleacher Report and the Draft Network will join us. Coming up next... Something happened on Saturday in the world of sports that I feared would happen. It was an eye-opener, but it wasn't a worst-case scenario. They can avoid a worst-case scenario if they do something about it now. The question is, will they? That's next on
1: Hacker After Dark. 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
0: 14 minutes before the 9 o'clock hour. Glad you're with us. We'll take you up till 10 o'clock as we do every night here on Hacker After Dark, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So, on Saturday, there was a college basketball game between Duke and Wake Forest. Odds are you probably saw it, and you probably saw or at least heard what I'm about to talk about right now. Wake Forest pulls the upset. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, all the fans were going nuts. Fans were fired up. You beat your rival. So, let's all storm the court like we're William Wallace and Braveheart going after the English, who were apparently the Duke players. And one of the Duke players, Kyle Filipowski, now hopefully it's just a sprained ankle. That's the last word, that's just a sprained ankle. I say just a sprained ankle. But, of course, he gets run into by one of these people that are storming the court and gets injured. Much like Caitlin Clark, the star for Iowa women's basketball, Luckily she didn't get hurt, but she got run into by somebody storming the court earlier this year. I have always hated that. I'm using the word hate here. I have hated storming the court or storming the field. It is and I'm gonna this is a get off my lawn moment. Some of you think I'm already the oldest 40 year old on the planet, so I guess I'll live up to that right now. That is nonsense when people do that. Nonsense. It is the biggest hypocrisy I've ever seen when it comes to collegiate athletics. We're all about protecting the student-athlete, right? Keeping the student-athlete healthy. We got the targeting rule in college football to keep the student-athlete healthy. You can't touch the quarterback anymore if you're in pads during the game. But, of course, if you... You beat the number one team in the land in college football, it's perfectly okay for 5,000 people who are all liquored up and acting moronic to just run onto the field. And whoever's in front of them, just be damned. Doesn't matter. They're just going to run on the field and, and get anything that's in their path out of the way. It's insane. It's insanity. Storming the field is insanity. Storming the court is insanity. You know, and and not to get on a high horse here, but there is a reason you do not see that at a lot of SEC schools, particularly at the University of Florida. They just don't do it. In fact, you get in trouble for doing it. Even the last time Florida stormed the court or stormed the field, they don't. They don't. I thought it was ridiculous when Florida State did it in twenty. What was that? Twenty twenty two, when they beat a. Six and five Gator team and they storm the field in football. Are you kidding me? Why? All you're doing is asking for a huge problem. Somebody getting hurt. Now, maybe this goes back to an incident that I had personally in 1996. Number one Florida State. Or I'm sorry, it was number one Florida. Yeah, number one Florida, number two Florida State, Dope Campbell Stadium where Renard Wilson and Peter Boulware were committing felonies, basically, on Danny Warfel the entire game and not getting flags thrown, but that's another story. Florida State fans, after the game, 24-21, Seminoles win. Congrats, Garnet and Gold. Seminole fans started storming the field. Well, I'm in the first row of the end zone. As a 13-year-old, I had just turned 13, and I thought I was going to die. Because these Seminole fans did not care that a 13-year-old was in their way. My God, they were going on to that field. And I basically had to dive out of the way. So maybe this goes back 27 years to my own personal experience. But if this isn't a wake-up call for both NCAA basketball and football, I don't know what is. Someone is going to get seriously injured. You're damn lucky if you're Wake Forest that it appears it's just a sprained ankle for Philipowski from Duke. Why do people have to storm the court? Oh, it's college kids having fun. No, it's, it's not. It's not. It's liquored up college kids for the most part that, again, will run over. I mean, how... I'm amazed that a fight hasn't broke out. You got a competitive back-and-forth game. A team loses a heartbreaker. They're upset. And before they can even get off the field or the court, you got thousands of students of the opposing team yelling and screaming in their face. I'm amazed a brawl hasn't broken out. Now, maybe the visiting team is smart enough to realize they're outnumbered about 1,000 to 1. And that's why they want to just get off the field or or the court in this situation. I hate it. I've always hated it. And if this is a get-off-my-lawn moment, so be it. I think it's awful. Dobson, you got two sons. You're a sports guy. Storming the court, storming the field. Your thoughts?
3: Uh, I actually... I, I like it. <laughs> I, I thought you would. You're <laughs> the you cog- me in here like uh, –
0: Do you understand my point, though?
3: Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I Somebody's like, going to get
0: injured, man. Sure.
3: Uh, I feel like that when you weigh the amount of times that somebody ha- – or that uh, fan base has run onto, say, a field or the court versus the amount of injuries – uh, you're you're talking about decimal points here, right? But uh,
0: one injury is too much. Sure, but it's avoidable.
3: You you also have to say, well, I mean, they they also play a game where they could get injured. So then it's like, well, then maybe just don't play the sport altogether. Well,
0: I yeah, mean, but, but, but I get it. I get but the it's not part of the sport. Correct, correct. Storming the field is not part of the sport. When that clock hits zero, the game is over. So it, what? I mean, if you want to storm the court or the field or whatever. At least let the visiting team off. I, I, for the life of me, I cannot imagine... Count to ten? Being, well, yeah. I mean, you know, Alabama football. Alabama football loses any game on the road. They know thousands of people are going to come running out at them. I guess Alabama must be trained for it because, again, I'm shocked that fights have not happened because of that, that serious brawls have not happened because of that. And every time this happens and every time there's only a sprained ankle... Maybe people are going to forget about it, but two years or three years or five years down the road when they continue to let it happen and it happens again and a star player tears up a knee or a star player is trampled because you have people storming a court. So avoidable. I get it. It's an emotional sport, an emotional game. I understand. You can be happy, but guess what? I'm not trying to sound all high and mighty for the people in Gainesville But they've had a lot of emotional basketball wins. They've had a lot of emotional football wins. And they don't have to run on the field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Or they don't have to run on the court there at the O'Connell Center. Never have, never will. My dad used to tell me it was a pride thing for Florida. It just means more, right? SEC schools get fined for it. Now, a lot of them do it. The SEC schools do it. Florida is one of the only ones that absolutely doesn't do it. But the Southeastern Conference, I believe, is the only one that gets fined big money for doing it. But you know what? The boosters and everybody, they probably don't care because of the optics of it. What do they always show on highlight reels on, like, SportsCenter after a big win? The fans storming the court or storming the field. It's all fun and games until a player like Philipowski from Duke on Saturday gets hurt. Now we talk about it for a day or two. And then it'll go away because it does not appear to be a big injury. But you wait. It's only a matter of time before somebody gets seriously hurt or, dare I say, even worse, and then we're going to be like, well, why did we allow that in the first place? You tell me. That is a fantastic question and one that I, quite frankly, would love to hear a good answer for. 641 on the phone line and on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Back in to the National Football League, the Combine, going on up in Indianapolis beginning tomorrow. Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke will both meet the media tomorrow. Let's talk Jags. Let's talk NFL. And let's talk 2024 draft. Ryan Fowler, the Draft Network. And from Bleacher Report, he's next. Hacker After Dark on a Monday night in Jacksonville, Florida. And we're glad you're with us. It's 1010XL, and it's 92.5 FM
1: the flagship station of the jaguars wjxl am jacksonville beach wjxl fm jacksonville beach 1010 xl is presented by barra and barr exclusive injury law firm of the jacksonville jaguars protecting you and your family call 396-5555 jacksonville hacker after dark on 1010 xl Bring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line.
0: Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The NFL offseason, well, it's moving right along. We're over 50 days now removed from the Jaguars season, unfortunately coming to an end. The Combine going on this week up in Indianapolis and we are now two weeks inside of NFL free agency. With all that being said, my buddy Ryan Fowler of Bleacher Report and the Draft Network has joined us for years here on 1010XL, and we always appreciate him taking time out for us here in the city of Jacksonville. Ryan, how you doing?
3: I'm doing well, Ryan. Always appreciate you having me on.
0: Hey, Ryan, thank you for the time. And all right, the Kansas City Chiefs are world champions. We've had a salary cap being raised thirteen million. There's a the lot to get into. But first and foremost, the combine. Boy, they talk about the legal tampering period, Ryan, beginning on Monday, March the 11th. I highly doubt that. I imagine there's going to be a lot of conversations this week in Indianapolis with impending free agency less than 14 days away.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And look, with that cap being raised, it's obviously an all-time high. It's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of these GMs, you know we talk about every year, with a team like New Orleans and Mickey Loomis and how he's able to maneuver contracts and defer money and – By no means am I going to sit here and act like a cap guru, Ryan, because the money and contracts are unbelievable and what people can do behind the scenes to defer money and all that stuff. But I think it's going to be a really fun free agent class. And I think really, from my side of things with the draft and having that draft focus, you can really see where a team wants to approach the draft with what they ultimately do and not just tagging guys like we saw obviously with T Higgins in Cincinnati, but what teams ultimately do in free agency and not just the first wave where what what is Jacksonville going to do with a guy like Josh Allen or what what happens with Kirk Cousins or Chris Jones. So as you move into wave two and wave three, you're going to see really the blueprint or the architecture of how these teams across the league want to build their teams. Are they going to spend, are they going to add bang for your buck type of guys or are they going to focus on rotational pieces like grabbing a third or fourth edge rusher, but never they're going to stay there. And we're going to add a guy on day one of the draft. So I think as much as the attention is on the cap rising, I'm just excited for free agency to kick off Ryan, because it's going to show us across the industry, how these teams are going to approach the draft here in April.
0: Ryan Fowler, Bleacher Report and the draft network. All right. You mentioned the cap, all the websites were going off a projected 200. and $42 million cap, which is why the Jaguars, as of last Friday morning, appeared to have about $11 million in free agency. Then all of a sudden the NFL comes out later that afternoon and says, no, the cap is actually $255 million. So they're basically giving all 32 clubs an additional $13 million or so dollars in free agency.
3: Ryan, how big a deal really is that? We always talk about every year, it seems like, Ryan, is the cap even real, right? Is, is it a real number? And behind the scenes, it is because you're trying to get it down to a certain number, obviously, to meet it to where you're not exceeding, you're not undervaluing a team to where you could actually spend more money than you thought heading into the year. And it's a, the cap, at the end of the day, is a number that remains fluid. It con- constantly changes week to week. So if you go on there today, the number that will be there next week, comparatively to now, it will change because of things that happen behind the scenes With certain contracts. But but really at the end of the day, Ryan, the cap for me is just a almost like a fantasy number that we try to keep track of to where how teams are going to allocate their money to certain guys, to where we know it's going to come off the books if a guy tags somebody, or when we talked about before T. Higgins was tagged, is he going to get the double tag? Or you look at Jacksonville, what they're going to do with guys like Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley or rotational guys like Dwayne Smoot or a Trey Herndon. Are those guys gonna be back? So the cap again at the end of the day, it's It's a thing we talk about a lot for teams to meet that certain number. But when we enter the league year and teams are 20, 30, 40 million over it, is that really a said number to where the league really battens down the hatches and say you have to be $0.00 right at that cap or you can't play football. So we're we're not ever at that situation, Ryan.
0: You mentioned the Jaguars. Let's go there next. Josh Allen, they can hand out the franchise tag between now and next Tuesday, I believe it is, March the 5th. Uh, they're going to do that. They're either going to re-sign him long-term or they're going to franchise him. I would be um, what's flabbergasted, I guess is a good word to use, yeah. if neither one of those things happen. So that might get sticky when it comes to contract talks down the road, but Josh Allen will not be hitting the market on Monday, March the 11th. Calvin Ridley, it appears, will be hitting the market on Monday, March the 11th. And with T. Higgins being franchised, We'll see about Mike Pittman Jr. up there in Indy. We'll see about Mike Evans in Tampa. But, Ryan, if those guys get franchised or get re-signed, Calvin Ridley all of a sudden may be the hottest commodity available on the wide receiver free agent market.
3: Yeah, I I agree with you. And as much as I know a lot of Jaguars fans out there would like to see Calvin Ridley back to see how this offense can flat out continue to build to where really the 2023 season, the back end of it was unfortunately disappointing after 2022 and taking that next step as an offense. Look, money talks at the end of the day. This is not the nineties or eighties or or prior football to where there was loyalty in football, where you started with a team and you just stayed with them for five, 10, 15 years, whatever position where you had the gracious to, to play that long. But, Colin really is going to get paid by somebody. Now it's not going to be an immensely high total. I don't expect it to be Ryan, but if Jaguar doesn't want Jaguars don't want to pony up, if you will, the money to keep him back in town and he wants to go somewhere else. And quickly that focus, again, as I mentioned earlier, the focus is going to turn to potentially adding a talent on the outside for this Jaguars group that look has Zay Jones and Christian Kirk's going to be back. But that third wide receiver or another high-level wide receiver, too, to pair with Christian Kirk is become, is going to become a need for Jacksonville in the draft.
0: There's some thought about Zay Jones being a cap casualty here. I think you're going to have to wait and see what happens with Ridley yeah. because there's no way you can let both guys go. If you re-sign Ridley, with well an okay, maybe you do cut Zay. But if you lose Ridley, to me, there's no way you can let Zay Jones out of here. Uh, not to really break down the X's and O's of Ezra Cleveland's game, Ryan, But he is the third biggest free agent for the Jaguars. And in talking to people around the league, one thing that I've kind of been interested in and the response I've got in regards to Cleveland is there's not a lot of offensive guards, 27 years old, that have 50 or more starts that hit free agency. I think Ezra Cleveland might be in higher demand than some other Jaguar fans do. And I wonder if that might price him out of Jacksonville in two weeks.
3: I agree with you, especially you look at the draft class. Ryan, I think the guards. There's some guys at the top. I think you look at Christian Mahogany from Boston College, your Cooper Beebes of the world from Kansas State, and of course Javion Cohen from Miami, the Alabama transfer that I thinks going to go on day two. But for guys like that in the NFL market that are potentially looking for other opportunities, that absolutely plays into it. And and I agree with you. That versatility, the experience, the age. You you don't see many guys at 27 with some fresh tread on the tires. Really, if you want to say that with Ezra to where you could even say his best football is now or even the year or two to come to just be a guy that you can start at a multitude of spots along your front five. And at the end of the day, versatility remains King, but that also ups the price a little bit for a guy like Ezra Cleveland. But if, if Jacksonville does not want to pay Calvin Ridley and he walks, That opens up more money potentially to get a guy like Ezra Cleveland back to fortify that front five and allow Trevor Lawrence to continue to develop and remain upright, which is really priority number one, moving into not just 2024, but, of course, the years to follow.
0: Ryan Fowler, Bleacher Report, and the Draft Network. All right, Ryan, let's get to the draft. Let's begin at the very top. Again, the Combine this week up in Indianapolis. Do you believe Caleb Williams – will be the number one pick as it stands right now to the Chicago bears.
3: I do. I do. And I will say this, Ryan, I mean, Marvin Harrison jr. Is my number one player in the class. I, I wish Chicago would continue to explore the route of let's take Marvin, let's trade back maybe to to four and let's, you know, get a Marvin Harrison Jr., get some more capital, and allow Justin Fields to continue to progress because they did compete in 2023. And for me, I know Justin Fields wasn't perfect, but he's not the ultimate issue in Chicago. They drafted Darnell Wright at right tackle last year to boost it. Braxton Jones did a nice job at left tackle, but then they said at nine, they could draft another tackle there. Maybe an Olu is there at nine. Maybe Joe Alt is there at nine. So For me, it is Caleb Williams at one. I do think he goes to Chicago and is their new face of the franchise. But when I look at Chicago and the route, I wish they potentially would explore more. Who knows? Crazy things have happened, Ryan. But if they were to take Marvin Harrison in the top five, trade back a little bit, get some capital, and then take another tackle at nine, really build this thing up to have a really a core group of Fields, Harrison, and DJ Moore, that's an exciting trio that I – Probably not going to happen, but I wish a little bit of a route that would be explored more by Ryan Poles and company in Chicago.
0: In regards to Justin Fields, uh, we've heard Atlanta, we've heard potentially Pittsburgh. Where do you think the best potential fit would be for him?
3: Man, I think a dream scenario would definitely be the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I Obviously a hometown kid initially committed to Georgia, of course, before going to Ohio State. But you look at that offensive structure, and it's not just the names of B. John Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. And of course, Tyler Algier, but it's really the group up front that is extremely underrated with Caleb McGarry, Jake Matthews, and Chris Lynch from one of the most underrated guards in all of football that they locked up last year. So I think it's a perfect spot for him to go to Atlanta. Arthur Smith is no longer. He's in Pittsburgh. I really don't want to see Justin Fields in Pittsburgh with Arthur Smith. I want to see him in Atlanta with the guys around him to where they're going to add a receiver possibly in the draft or multiple in the draft, or or another guy in free agency. So I think Atlanta would be the ideal scenario for a guy like Justin Fields.
0: Now getting to the draft. Again, Ryan Fowler, Bleacher Report, and the Draft Network. When you talk about the Jaguars at 17, Ryan, I've seen a lot of guys in mocks go corner. Obviously, Ryan Nielsen, the new D.C., after his introductory press conference, a lot of people thought leaving that thing that corner might be a big need for the Jaguars. I go back to Week 18 in Nashville. And I go back to getting pushed all over the field by an average Tennessee Titan defensive line that did not have Jeffrey Simmons and a Titan O-line that was awful all year. And I say, you know what? Corner's nice. We need to address that at some point. But we got to get some guys on the line of scrimmage, man. That was ridiculous with the Jaguar interior, both O-line and D-line. What is your thought on Jacksonville at 17 and even in the second round, say, at 49?
3: Yeah, I'll say this, Ryan. I absolutely love where the Jaguars are in this draft. And the reason why I say that is, look, they're not in a spot to take some of your blue chips, like a Marvin Harrison, Fashanu, Alt, of course, the quarterbacks, or a Malik Neighbors, those types of, of bodies. But at 17, and the holes that they have, and you mentioned a lot of the talk has been around the Terrian Arnolds, the Nate Wiggins, the Cooper DeGines of the world. For me, if they do stay at 17, and they want to get a guy along the defensive front, like a Byron Murphy from Texas, who I think is going to blow up Indianapolis. I think he's going to be potentially a top 13, 14 player in this class when we get to April at the end of the day. So they're at 17. They want to take that type of player for the defensive side of the ball and free up guys like Josh Allen. Then I like that spot. But I also think they're in a spot too, Ryan to where if somebody wants to come up and a JJ McCarthy starts, to, starts to slip a little bit, even though I don't expect that or a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix. And someone likes those guys. Cause it only takes one team to maybe trade back. And if you want to prioritize a tackle like a Jordan Morgan or a Tyler Guyton starts to slip a little bit, or Talis Fuaga starts to slip a little bit, I think either of those guys, they're just in a really nice spot to add players. And I think as you move into round two in the top 50, I think you look at edge because, look, the edge spot outside of Josh Allen, Ryan, we've talked about it for a lot of years. It's flat out – has not been good enough. And Kalavin Chase on, look, he's just been stealing checks for the Jaguars for multiple years now. Looks good at Jersey, look good at LSU, but at the end of the day, you're not producing. And you can't just wear a jersey and show up and take a paycheck. But at 49, I look at a guy like Chris Braswell from Alabama. I look at a guy like Braylon Trice from Washington, who is a little bit of a throwback at the position, about 260, 65 pounds. But he has a power-laden game that I think will translate to the next level. Similarly, how George Karlaftis out of Purdue and the impact he's made for the Chiefs in his first two years in the league. So on day one, I agree with you. Either side of the trenches for me is a spot that I'm looking for for Jacksonville, whether it's IDL or at tackle, guard, or center. Maybe a guy like Jackson Powers Johnson moving forward. Or you move into day two and you grab a guy like a Braswell or Braylon Trice at Edge to flat out get after the quarterback and give Josh Allen some help.
0: You mentioned the guy I was going to ask you about next, Ryan. There is an unnatural obsession in Jacksonville, Florida – With Jackson Powers Johnson. I cannot imagine it's ever happened before that a center from Eugene, Oregon has been more popular in Duval County, Florida than this (laughs) guy is. Now, I, I get it. People are done with Fortner here. They think he struggles. I like Luke. I think he belongs on the roster. I don't necessarily know if he needs to be the starting center. What about Jackson Powers Johnson? Would 17 be about right for him come late April?
3: I think Jackson Powers Johnson fundamentally, as far just at any player in this class, I, I think he could go there. I think it may be a little high just because of positional value. And when that thing comes, when we talk about that sort of stuff, right, he's not a premier position. But at the end of the day, he's the pivot spot of your front five. And for me, you need guys like that. We saw the impact over the years of a guy like Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis, or even a guy like Creed Humphrey in Kansas city, or young guys like Tyler Linderbaum in Baltimore. It is extremely important to figure out who the quarterback of your front five is going to be. And as good as Jackson was at Oregon, he comes down to the senior bowl and really outside of guys named Quinn, Mitchell corner from Toledo. I thought he was the best player in mobile or alongside Roman Wilson, watchers here from Michigan. Jackson was fantastic. He probably had 25 isolated reps, at guard and center during the week and he maybe lost one maybe lost one he's just flat out fantastic he can drop his anchor and pass pro against varying skill sets he can get to the second level you want to do some unique things with him as a puller from the center spot that you rarely see uh, look for jacksonville fans being obsessed with the guy and excited about the guy i don't blame him i think he's a hell of a football player he's not going to put butts in seats he's not going to sell season tickets but he's someone that helps you win games along the trenches in a modern day age where teams want to look at receivers, running backs and quarterbacks. You got to win in the trenches still today in 2024 and Jackson Powers Johnson is that type of guy to help you for the years to come.
0: Ryan, final question. We got about two minutes to go in 2019, 140 underclassmen declared for the draft in 2024. The number was down to 54. That's the power of NIL. That's the power of the transfer portal. We know why it's happening, and it's being a good thing for college football. In regards to the NFL, does this make this year's draft class maybe top-heavy? And when you get into rounds, say, five, six, certainly seven, is there going to be issues for teams down there?
3: I think if you're a team that does their due diligence, um, you'll be fine. Now, that's what separates the – contenders from the pretenders and the teams that just flat out cannot get out of the basement of their division for sometimes decades on end right but I think you look at rounds four and five or later portions of round three at certain positions for specifically for me Ryan like tight end and linebacker to where it's top heavy at tight end and a Brock Bowers we'll see where a guy like jatavian Sanders goes and at linebacker it's Edron Cooper and Peyton Wilson Wilson from NC State cooper from from Am. But as you move back, you can find guys that immediately come in and be multi-phase contributors, both whether it's offense or defense, right, or someone that can also play special teams as well. And I really think about guys like Cedric Gray a linebacker from North Carolina that was excellent down at the senior bowl. He's going to be a guy that plays special teams and he's going to be somebody that can wear the green dot for you in the middle of a defense, whether you have one linebacker on the field or the rare now in 2024, multiple linebackers in the middle of your defense, like we see with Baltimore and San Francisco. So I think if a team does their due diligence and scouts this process correctly to where you're not just looking at helmet decals and the top 50, then you're going to be able to find players. But I think I'm right there with you, Ryan. The transfer portal NIL is truly unbelievable. I mean, Last year we were sitting here thinking about Olufoshanu. Is he going to come out? He stays at Penn State, gets money similar to what a first-rounder would have made at Penn State and NIL money. It's just unbelievable. So it's definitely changed the landscape, but from a scouting perspective, coaching, and development, which goes overlooked because we do live in a microwave society, it is so darn important. But at the end of the day, there's a large group of underclassmen that can make an impact, and you just got to do your due diligence as a scouting staff moving into day three.
0: You can read Ryan Fowler's terrific work both at Bleacher Report and at the Draft Network. Ryan, I know you're busy, man. Thank you for taking time out. Let's do it again post-free agency. We'll see where the dust settles, and at that point, we'll have a much better idea maybe what direction the Jaguars will be looking at. Thank you, my friend.
3: Absolutely. Thank you as always, Ryan.
1: 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars Protecting you and your family Call 396-5555 Jacksonville Hacker After Dark On 1010XL
0: Yes it is Again the combine gets underway tomorrow Up in Indianapolis Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke Will both meet the media And Frank Frangie will have interviews with both Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke that you will hear tomorrow right here on 1010XL. The the on-the-field work doesn't begin until Thursday, Uh, but truthfully, the combine, I think most people will tell you, it's about the interviews, man. It's about the medical checkups. That's what a lot of the combine is. The TV loves the the on-the-field work, the 40-yard dash and stuff, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to watch a lot of it because I'm sick and that's what I do. When the combine is on my television, I watch guys in shorts run around cone drills and run 40-yard dashes. But a majority of the combine is the interview process, the getting to know you, the medicals, and make no mistake about it, they say the legal tampering period for free agency can begin Monday, March 11th. No, 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 no. It's beginning tonight in Indianapolis at every waterhole, pub, sports bar type venue, hotel lounge in the Indianapolis area. A lot of agents are striking deals with GMs and teams for two weeks from tonight when free agency officially begins. A guy that lived that life for nine years as a player in the National Football League, including three of them right here in Jacksonville, is my buddy Clay Harbour. Clay, I want to talk to Clay about the Jags, kind of get an off-season outlook from him. Also get some thoughts on Evan Ingram and some of the more positive stories from the 2023 Jaguars season. With Casey Dobson, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you're with us on a Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Let's talk with former Jaguar tight end Clay Harbor. He's next. Hacker After Dark, 1010XL and 92.5
1: FM. 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville, it's hacker after dark on 1010XL. Let's ring up another guest on the all pro roofing phone line.
0: Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The NFL offseason about to get into high gear, man. With all that being said, let I me mean, welcome in former Jaguar tight end Clay Harbor. He's always very good to us here on 1010XL, and we certainly love spending time with him, talking Jags and looking around the rest of the National Football League. Clay, how we doing?
4: I'm doing great. I'm sitting here in Chicago. It's actually a, a warm day in Chicago for the for this time of the year. We got about 40 degrees, Ryan. So uh, I know it's not warm for you, but for us here in Chicago, it's a pretty nice day.
0: Yeah, actually, I think it was about 40 when I woke up this morning. Warmed up a little bit after that, but it's been cold here this off season, Clay, because of the way the season ended. I think you and I last Ooh. spoke around mid season for the Jaguars, and at that point, things were going great, right? Eight and three, and things were wonderful. But, my gracious, I mean, what did you make of the collapse here from 8-3 and three to flat-out missing the playoffs?
4: Yeah, it was tough. I think it all started. You know, you saw Trevor uh, get a little banged up there. And uh, I think that's tough when you're going out there playing for injuries. I'm not trying to make excuses. But when you're playing with injuries, that changes a lot of things. And then, obviously, you see Christian Kirk get hurt. Zay Jones is banged up. So, a lot of his weapons were injured, too. So, you weren't seeing the same team that you saw early in the year. And I think hopefully, you know, you get back, you're able to re-sign Josh Allen or franchise tag him is what seems likely as they work towards a contract and then maybe, uh, you know, make some other moves to bring in a couple more weapons here. I'm not sure what it looks like with with Calvin Ridley, but in my opinion, it was just, I think injuries had a big thing to do with it. Obviously, the defense wasn't what you wanted, and I think they made a good... A good hire, and Ryan Nielsen. I think he's a guy that has a great reputation around the league, and and people really respect him. And that's an improvement. But I think it's tough to get off those slides. Back in 2022, I was actually on a team with uh, with Doug Peterson, and we went through a similar uh, a similar slide. We were with the Eagles, and we lost uh, seven straight games after after starting the year uh pretty solid with coach Andy Reid and that was his last year in Philadelphia before he got fired coach Peterson was the quarterback coach and for some reason it just seemed like no matter what we did we we made the mistakes at the wrong time there's nothing you can put your finger on when you're a player it's not like you go out there and 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 you you just it's just blow out games or whatever but for some reason in those kids it just seems like the ball is funny it's shaped weird you know it's just bouncing the wrong way for you, and I feel like a lot of that is what happened with the Jaguars this year. I still got faith in Trevor. I still got faith in faith in Travis Etienne. I think they really need to improve this offensive line, but I, I think the team, the the, the base here, the, the, the structure is still a winning team that can compete for the AFC South.
0: Former Jaguar tight end Clay Harbor. Clay, I want to get into the offseason, but final thought on 2023, you played tight end in the NFL for many years. You can appreciate what Evan Ingram did, 114 catches, uh, only two shy, I believe, of the record, right, for tight end catches in a single season. He uh, tied Jimmy Smith, as far as the only two Jaguars in franchise history, to have over 100 catches in a single year. I mean, boy, Evan Ingram really earned that money this season.
4: No, absolutely. Evan Ingram, almost 1,000 yards, 114 catches, you know, the four touchdowns. I mean, he's a guy that, that I really like and the things the thing I like about him is just his versatility he can line up in so many different places and Doug does such a good job of getting him the ball when you got the injuries to guys like Christian and Zay you really saw Evan Ingram step up he's a guy that you, you come out of the huddle you got two tight ends on the field and maybe think it's going to be a too tight set but no Evan Ingram can line up outside he can line up in the slot he can line up in the backfield and, and do some things from there so To me, his versatility is huge. I love how he's really taken back his career. The guy's a hard worker. I was down there for training camp. He's one of the first guys on, one of the last guys to leave. you ask anybody on the Jaguars team, they'll tell you he's one of the hardest working guys. And to me, those are the guys I respect. You know, the talented guys that are just, you know, out there and they live off their talent. You know, good for them. But Evan Ingram is talented, but the way he worked himself into the player he is now Is very impressive. It's very inspiring. I think he's going to keep getting better because of the way he works, because of what football means to him. If you watch him practice, you see the things he does, how he goes about his routine. So for me, I'm very impressed with Evan Ingram. I think he's going to keep getting better. He's not a crushing blocker, but he's a guy that gives effort, and to me that matters too. A guy with over 100 catches still out there giving effort in the blocking game. Very impressive. Can't say enough good things about Evan Ingram.
0: All right, Clay, moving forward, and you mentioned it, the blueprint for the offseason, the first domino to fall, will be the Josh Allen situation. The franchise tag window has opened this week. It runs through March 5th, so we're going to know by March 5th if Josh Allen has been re-signed long-term or if he gets the tag placed on him. Either way, though, it's imperative, right, that Josh Allen is a Jaguar in 2024?
4: Oh, absolutely! I mean, he's 17 seventeen and a half sacks. I mean, this guy has created a lot of things for Trayvon Walker because he's not able to get double teamed. I think you you really have to bring back Josh Allen, and obviously, it looks like he, you know he could be leaning towards a tag. I know I was listening to a uh, interview the other day, and I mean, it was this was a couple weeks ago, maybe or a week ago, and Trent Baalke said he hasn't hadn't even started contract negotiations with Allen yet. And I was a little shocked because. You know, typically with guys like that, you're doing contract negotiation, maybe even throughout the season, you're trying to get him extended. As soon as the season ends, you're talking contract. And for that to be a part of the conversation that he hadn't really they hadn't been really working towards that yet was surprising. So I think that maybe it's something you saw with Evan Ingram, you know, you get him with the franchise tag and then you're able to work out a long-term deal because to me, he's a guy who won here for a long time. He was, he was drafted here. He's a guy that's built himself up here. He's worked hard. To, to, he's good in the locker room. The players like him. I think with Ryan Nielsen coming in, he'll be a big piece. And these pass rushers, they're not easy to find. And they're going to get paid. There's no way around it. Okay? You got to pay the pass rusher. And to me, Josh Allen is one of the best at doing that. Clay, players hate the
0: franchise tag. All right? Every year. I mean, they, they just don't like it. And my concern is, could that get sticky between Allen and the organization if they place the tag on him could we see issues into the summer and maybe even into training camp
4: oh yeah it depends on how he responds to it players don't like i mean you saw Chris Jones he got franchise tagged he missed a game he didn't come to one thing in the offseason. he missed a game guys respond differently to it they want the long term deal and i mean i don't blame them if you if you underplay your contract you're going to get cut right away and you, you overplay your contract, you're ready to get paid, and you only get that one year. You want that long-term sustainability on the contract because you never know when you can get injured, and you know this is my value, and we play a sport which every play, unfortunately, could be your last. So I don't see Josh Allen as the type of player just uh, being around the Jaguars organization the way I have, as a as a guy that would would cause the trauma, and not show up just because he got tagged. But you never know, and sometimes these agents get in these guys ears. See, hey, you got to hold out if you want the contract. You got to take back some leverage. They're not going to pay you unless you're not there. You're you're holding out. Obviously, you want Josh Allen to learn the new defense. You got a new defensive coordinator, new defensive staff. So he's got a little bit of leverage if he does hold out because they're going to want him there. I don't think he's that type of player to do that, but you know, you got to take care of yourself first. Unfortunately, sometimes in, in, in this situation, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I just don't see it happening.
0: A couple of more for former Jaguar tight end, Clay Harbor, here with us on 1010XL 10, 10 in Jacksonville. Clay, that brings us to Calvin Ridley. Now, if Josh Allen gets tagged, odds are Ridley will then hit the market on Monday, March the 11th. And if you look at the rumors. Michael Pittman looks like he's going to get franchised in Indianapolis. T. Higgins likely to get franchised in Cincinnati. Ridley's value just goes up and up and up as he and Mike Evans will look like they're going to be the two main wide receivers, number one caliber guys to hit the market. Uh, What are your thoughts on Ridley? Did you see enough out of him to want him back in Jacksonville? And if he hits the market, how hard will it be for the
4: Jaguars to retain him? No, I thought I thought Ridley had a solid year. I don't think he had a great year. I mean, there was a number of drops there, Ryan. That 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 he had, and you know, you look at the the the, the numbers. And I'm not a big numbers guy, but passer rating when targeted. I mean, Etn, Kirk, Ingram, Jones, everybody had a better passer rating when targeted than. Um, calvin ridley he had an 89 pass running when target was which, which isn't bad he only had a 36 percent contested catch ratio but he had an 8.4 drop percentage which to me is too high evan ingram had a five percent zay jones had a 2.9 percent christian kirk had a six we almost had a nine percent drop percentage that's not good enough the one thing i do like about ridley and there's more than one thing i think he's a great route runner And I think that he is a diligent worker again. This guy's all football. And I, you know, I go back to, I was talking about Evan Ingram on the field at training camp, but you you watch players. And what I do when I go out there and I want to see how these guys work, you know, back in my day to me, what always seemed to be a constant was the guys that work and take the stuff serious are the guys that are going to be good. And Calvin Ridley's all ball, man. He goes out there. He's, he's one of the last guys to leave the first guy out there And when he's there. He is locked in. He wants to be great. He wants to be good at football. I know he had some drops this year. And like you said, the wide receiver crop isn't what it what it has been in the past with Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, you know, besides those guys that could get Michael Evans, they could get franchise tags. There's not much there. The draft looks good, though. But... In my opinion, Calvin Ridley is a guy that works his tail off. But obviously, you got the the, the escalator that went from a conditional fourth to a third with the, the amount of snaps and and play Calvin Ridley had this year. That if you resign him before the end of the league year, second rounder, obviously there's a way around that. You wait to resign him until after the league year, and you still. Uh, give up a third-round pick to the Falcons. So I could see that happening. I wouldn't be upset either way if he's gone or if he comes back because the guy is a worker. But I do think he's got to improve. He had a lot of drops this year, a lot of big plays that could have changed the Jaguar season.
0: There's a thought that Zay Jones potentially could be a cap casualty. The way I'm looking at it, Clay, we're going to know what the Jaguars think about the future of Ridley with what they do with Jones. I mean, if they think Ridley's in the future plans – Maybe then you cut Zay to save that money. If they think they're going to lose Ridley, you can't cut Zay, right? There's no way you can lose both of those guys.
4: Yeah, Zay Jones had a tough year, but I think the PCL injury had a big, you know, big read. When, when they signed Zay Jones, he never had over 600 yards. He had a breakout career high year last year. Then this year, the injury bug really got him, and he's he's expected to get over 10 million dollars. So you never know what these guys are thinking. You're you're absolutely right, Ryan, but. Whatever we see happen with Zay, I think will tell you what is going on with Ridley because I'm not sure with the cap situation they're in. I think they got 11 million something to spend. And the, obviously, we've all heard about how the cap should be rising this year because of the amount of money the NFL takes in. So the cap should be bumping up, which will give teams more money to spend. But I think that 10 million for Zay Jones, if you're going to pay that, you're not bringing back Ridley and putting all that into the position. So yeah, you're absolutely right. That'll be very telling.
0: Final moments here with former Jaguar tight end Clay Harbor. Clay, it's interesting. After Allen and Ridley, you could argue the third biggest free agent was only here for eight games, and that's Ezra Cleveland, who they got at the trade deadline. That interior offensive line is a problem, man. They were not good. And I like Luke Fortner. I think he belongs on the NFL roster. I'm not sure if he's a starting center. Brandon Sheriff, I think father, you know, time is getting the best of him uh we'll see about Ezra Cleveland and then there's a question about Cam Robinson very good but you could save 17 million dollars against the cap if you cut Cam Robinson so they got some serious questions to answer on the offensive line here in the next 3 weeks
4: yeah it's it's going to be tough i i agree with you i think that uh Fortner wasn't good enough this year i think that uh you know he was a problem i mean he, he gave up like 28 pressures according to pro football focus and uh, a bunch of hits and hurries but you know overall i think that cam it would be tough to get rid of just because i know you got you know antoine harrison and, and you know obviously walker but still i mean one of those guys go down you need depth at that position but the interior offensive line was just horrendous this year fortner yeah, maybe he could be on a roster, but a, a guy in the draft like Jackson Powers Johnson, maybe you sign a free agent center, but you need a center there. And I know Shatley's a uh, a free agent. I wouldn't mind bringing him back for depth purposes, but I think you need to retool that entire interior offensive line. I think Sheriff had was dealing with some uh, some injuries, but you know I, I like his game. I'm not sure if he's worth exactly what you're paying him right now, the way he's been playing. But uh, you definitely need to do some things into your offensive line because your quarterback just doesn't have a chance if you're getting pressure up the middle. It's the worst thing for a quarterback. So in my opinion, you're absolutely right. Again, that center is a, is a big deal this year, and I think there's some guys in the draft. was out in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Jackson Powers Johnson is a guy that I think could be available for the Jaguars that could be a franchise center and could really be a stability point in the, in the middle of that offensive line.
0: Clay, I want to end with the Bears. Final Jaguar question. Another guy that they could cut that would save some real money is Darius Williams. I saw a Sports Illustrated article today that said the Jaguars should cut Cam and Darius Williams. They would go from $11 million under the cap to $39 million under the cap just by simply yeah. making those two moves. You think Darius Williams is worth the $11 million that they would owe him?
4: I think Darius Williams is is a talented player, and he's he's had some ups and downs, just like everybody else on that Jaguars roster. But that's another tough one because if if you cut him, you're, you're going to have to have a plan. You know, you, you can't just cut Darius Williams and not have a plan. I think he had a solid year. I, he, you know, he gave up a, a 69 pass rating when targeted. He had 15 pass breakups, four interceptions. I mean, the guy only gave up a 59 percent reception percentage. So I think that he was a good player. He had a solid year. And if you, if you're really thinking about moving on from this guy, you've got to have a plan. you got to have something that you think will come through because you don't want to do things that make your team worse and losing Darius Williams would make your team worse. And you're making your team worse. That didn't even make the playoffs last year. You got beat by a rookie quarterback down the stretch. And then you were competing with a backup quarterback, you know, and it did a year there. So, These teams are just going to keep getting better, and if you're getting worse, it doesn't bode well for you as a team coming into the next season.
0: Former Jaguar Clay Harbor. Clay, leave us with this. You're in Chicago. You're very close to the Bears organization. They're like the center of the NFL offseason right now, Justin Fields apparently unfollowed all of the social media accounts for the Bears. I think Justin Fields' dog even unfollowed Instagram of the Bears, which I thought was interesting. Uh, at least that was what was reported. Uh, what's going on in Chicago? Are they going to draft Caleb Williams? Are they really going to trade Justin
4: Fields? Oh uh, Yeah, it's a foregone conclusion out here. Every, every indication is that you know, Justin Fields is going to get traded, and uh, Caleb Williams will be the, the quarterback for Chicago Bears next year. And, uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. I don't think Justin Fields was was given the, the best opportunity to, to be successful. But, I mean, you can't complain when you've you given the guy 36 games and you're still unsure. And how often do you have the, the opportunity to be the number one pick in the draft? And hopefully you won't be it again. Some people say you trade back, you get a bunch of ones, you get a bunch of twos, and, and you retool, retool through the draft You keep fields maybe get a couple more players like you did last year when you traded the number one pick. Um, and you got D.J. Moore and, and the number one draft pick this year from that deal. So to me, there's more than one path to success, but it looks like Caleb Williams will be the quarterback of the Bears. Everything everybody in Chicago is hearing and, and thing, where, where things are trending right now is what it seems like. But uh, I think Fields will still get an opportunity to be a starting quarterback somewhere.
0: That's a fascinating situation. Chicago, of course, got that pick from Carolina, which looks like an awful pick or a trade for the Panthers based on the way Bryce Young played a year ago. Clay, I know you're busy, man. Thank you for taking time out. Free agency is right around the corner after the dust settles, and we'll see what happens here in Jacksonville. Hopefully we can dial your phone again and get your reaction on what Trent Baalke and the Jaguars accomplish over the next month or so. Thank you, my friend.
4: My pleasure, Ryan. Anytime, man. Phone lines always open for
0: you guys. And thank you to former Jaguar tight end Clay Harbor for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark as, yeah, the scouting combine underway uh, tomorrow, right? Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson meet the media up there in Indianapolis tomorrow. Now, on the field work will not begin until Thursday, but the official festivities, I guess, get underway up in Indianapolis Tomorrow. And then again, we are now 14 days, two weeks away from NFL free agency, or I guess the legal tampering period is what it's called. Let's be honest. Deals will be agreed to two weeks from today. That's Monday, March the 11th. Pen can meet paper on these new contracts when the league calendar begins on Wednesday, March the 13th. Well, that'll just about do it. It has been a very busy Monday night edition. Here of Hacker After Dark, we certainly appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. Again, thank you to former Jaguar tight end Clay Harbour for joining us to give us his Jaguar offseason outlook. Thank you to my buddy Ryan Fowler of Bleacher Report and the Draft Network. Ryan does a terrific job not only covering the National Football League but talking a little NFL draft with us here as well, and back in our number one, Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com. As we looked at not only at the Jaguars, but some other pressing news around the NFL. Again, the salary cap went up $13 million for every NFL team. What exactly will that mean? Come two weeks from today, Caleb Williams looks like he's the number one pick to Chicago. What does that mean for the future of Justin Fields? Atlanta, Pittsburgh, those are the names that you hear, we'll see. But this player movement will certainly begin very soon around the National Football League. We will be back tomorrow night on a Tuesday. Are you kidding me? Ladies and gentlemen of Jacksonville, Florida, let me ask you a question. Where else would you rather be, and I mean it, where else would you rather be from 10 o'clock to midnight on a Tuesday than right here? on Hacker After Dark, and we certainly hope that you do join us then. Casey Dobson was your producer tonight in for Dylan Denmark. Casey, great job as always. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. And again, Jacksonville, thank you for spending part of your Monday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark, on 1010XL, and on 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Monday evening. And we will do it all over again tomorrow night on a Tuesday beginning
1: at 10 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.